Before we begin this morning, would you join me in a word of prayer for what's happening in the Ukraine? Our Lord God in heaven, we, we come before you this morning aware of war in our world. And though this does not directly affect us, Lord, we know it affects the lives of people you love, that it runs counter to the justice you call for us to seek. And so we want to take just this moment, Lord, to lift up the situation in Ukraine, asking for your blessings upon it, for your intervention and involvement. We pray that the war will come to an end. We ask that you protect those who are innocent. We, we ask that you thwart the efforts of those who are unjust. We ask that you grant those who are in positions of influence and decision-making to have wisdom. And we pray, Lord, that this conflict will end, peace can be restored, and above all else, that your will can be done. We love you, Lord. We know you're the one who's ultimately in control, and so we, we ask for your blessings on the situation in Ukraine at this time, and it is through the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. How is 2022 going for you? Uh, in all honesty, how is 2022 going for you? We're two months in. Are you having a good 2022? Because for many of us, 2020 was pfft, and 2021 wasn't much better. So how's 2022 going? I, I don't know about you, but 2022 is not going well for me. Now, I don't know if you know what my past two months have been like, but they have not been that enjoyable. So at the start of this year, the first week of this year, I contracted COVID. Now, from a medical standpoint, COVID was kind to me. I didn't have the complications that others have. It did not threaten my life. So I'm very blessed. But when you have COVID, even though you might just have the sniffles, you're stuck in a room by yourself for 10 days. That meant for 10 days I couldn't play with Micah. For 10 days I couldn't hold Leah. For 10 days I couldn't go to Chick-fil-A. You see my problem? <laughs> and then as soon as my isolation ended and I was able to rejoin life, Leah got COVID. And Sarah and I took turns taking care of her, but since I was the one who had already had it, and since I'm the one who could technically manage my workload from home, guess what? I got to isolate for 10 more days. Thank goodness there's this app called DoorDash that can deliver Chick-fil-A to my front porch. That is one of God's great blessings on us at this time. But January for me was a month where I was just stuck at home. And then we get into February, and I'm excited for February because my family has a planned vacation in February. We're going to Walt Disney World! And as many of you already know, that didn't turn out too well for me either because on our first day in, in Disney World, I had to take Leah to the emergency room, and she and I winded up spending the next four, uh, next four days at the hospital. And, and just for the record... I'm not, I wasn't at the hospital because I'm, I'm the, the greatest dad ever. I'm, I was at the hospital because it was easier for me to get there. Once I got there, Sarah was more than willing to come stay at the hospital too. We had no transportation. 
She couldn't get there if she wanted to until, until finally we had a former member here, David Hodnett, graciously drove her out there just to bring me a change of clothes. But I, I was literally stuck there. I couldn't leave. And Sarah would have gladly come and, and relieved me. I, I've had people tell me how great it was that I was willing to be there with my daughter the whole time and miss out on all the fun of the parks. I want people to know that Sarah was more than happy to give up some days at the park too. We just couldn't swap out. And not, not only that, by that point, I was the one in the know. I knew what was going on. I would have to update her with information just so she could make decisions at the hospital. So it was pointless at that point for me to leave. My 2022 has not been good. We're two months in, and all I've known is, is medical, hospital, doctor stuff. And during that time that I was stuck at the hospital, bemoaning the fact that I was missing out on a vacation I spent a lot of money to go on, and I was missing out on the opportunity to ride roller coasters with Micah for the first time because this was the first trip where she was ready to get on those rides. And I didn't get to do them with her. Bemoaning all of that, I cried. I had a day that I broke down. I had a day where it overwhelmed me. I had a day where I lamented my difficult circumstance. And I began this morning with a prayer for the events in Ukraine because my difficult circumstance pales in comparison to what some of them are experiencing right now. And I wanted to set that in the proper perspective. But because I was dealing with that last week or the week before, I decided this morning that I would take a little break from our Faith Plus sermon series because in all honesty, I personally needed to be reminded of what the Bible has to say about facing difficult circumstances. And I've had to remind myself over the course of these past two months that difficult circumstances are simply inevitable. We're all going to face them, right? We're all going to have difficult circumstances at one point or another. And you know what? I'm, I'm not just making this up. I'm not speaking from experience. That's biblical. The Bible says this. Do you realize that? Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, excuse me, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34, after he tells us, don't worry about tomorrow, you know what he turns around and says? He turns around and says that each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus acknowledged that trouble just happens. You can't avoid it. It just exists. It's part of life. And then if you go over to John chapter 16, when Jesus gives his last great discourse to the apostles, he says in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, In this world you will have trouble. That's a pretty clear statement that life is going to come with difficulty. And then some, Peter would echo that in his own writings. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, Peter said, Do not be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Now, Peter was specifically talking about persecution. But Peter's saying, don't be surprised when difficulty arises because it's part of life. The Bible clearly tells us life's not going to be easy. There's going to be difficulties that we face. 
And so, one of the following three statements is true about your life right now. Either one, you are just coming out of a difficult circumstance, or two, you are in the midst of a difficult circumstance, or three, you're about to enter a difficult circumstance. Because difficult circumstances are inevitable. And since they are inevitable, your perspective is invaluable. And the Bible has some things to say about perspective when it comes to difficult circumstances. I want you to notice a couple of passages very quickly. First is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, which says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This passage presents the expectation of gratitude regardless of circumstance. In other words, it doesn't matter whether your circumstances are good or bad. You're expected to approach them with thankfulness. And the implication of this instruction is that our perspective toward our circumstances will be influenced by gratitude. That means we will view each and every circumstance through the lens of opportunity rather than negativity. Then we can go over to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16. And we're instructed... In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. There's that in all circumstances phrase again. And in this passage, we're called to employ the weapon of faith in all circumstances. In other words, it doesn't matter whether our circumstances are good or whether our circumstances are bad. We're expected to approach them with faith. And the implication of this instruction is that our perspective will be determined by our faith. That means we will view each and every circumstance as inferior to God. And we will view God as capable of overcoming each and every circumstance we face. See, these two biblical parameters that we can find here in 1 Thessalonians 5 and Ephesians chapter 6, the parameters of of approaching all circumstances with thankfulness and approaching all circumstances with faith. These two parameters for our perspective require us to look at difficult circumstances through the lens of some very specific filters. In photography, a filter is a camera accessory that can be inserted into the optical path for the purpose of modifying the image. Now, I don't know how many photographers we have or photography enthusiasts. Most of us are familiar with filters because of social media, because of our smartphones. You can take a picture on your phone right now and go into the photo app and make all kinds of adjustments with it, applying filters. You can modify that image to be the best image it can be. You can change it, you can adapt it, you can edit it in all these different ways to make it better than what it currently is. See, in photography, a filter is something you use to modify an image for the purpose of improving it. And so when you are utilizing a photography filter, you can enhance 
the color and the contrast to produce a more vivid image, as is exemplified on the screen. The picture on the left lacks a filter. The filter on the right, or the picture on the right, has a filter that makes it much more vivid. You can use a filter to eliminate glare and distracting reflections from certain surfaces like water and glass. The picture on the left, no filter. The picture on the right has a filter. And then you can even use filters to sharpen or soften the subject that's being photographed. The picture on the left has no filter. The picture on the right has a filter which softens the appearance of those waves in that water. You see, we use filters in photography to help us capture the image at its best. And when it comes to difficult circumstances, we need filters to help us view those situations with the right perspective. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Because over the past couple of weeks, I've needed to insert some filters into the way that I view my circumstances. And so I want to share with you today three filters that we must apply to our perspective in order for us to approach all circumstances with thankfulness and with faith. And the first filter is what I call the essential filter. See, we often think faith is something we arrive at, that at some point in our life we'll reach this point where we can say, I've got faith. But that's not how the Bible describes faith. The Bible describes faith as something that is pursued, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11. Something that is built up, Jude verse 20. Something that is grown, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 15. And something that is progressed, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 25. And we shouldn't forget that faith is also described as something that is added to. In fact, that's what we've been studying these past several weeks in first Peter, second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. So faith is something that can be pursued, built up, grown, progressed, attitude, added to. And the Bible also describes faith as something that can decrease. According to Scripture, faith can be shipwrecked. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 19. Faith can be abandoned, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Faith can be denied, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. And faith can be wandered from, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. All of these biblical descriptions of faith talk about it like it's something that is not finalized. Like it is something that is a work in progress. It can increase, it can decrease, it can move forward or it can move backward, but faith is not described as something that stands still. For that reason, faith is more like a journey than it is a destination. And in order for faith to progress, in order for faith to move forward, in order for faith to increase, the Bible indicates that it has to be tested. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. He, we read this a moment ago, or mentioned this a moment ago, but Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. In other words, Peter indicated that difficulties have a purpose, and that purpose is to test you. And this is epitomized in the life of the father of faith, Abraham. God's summon for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac is specifically identified in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1 as a test. God presented Abraham with that impossible decision of sacrificing Isaac 
Because God wanted to see if Abraham's faith was authentic. In other words, God was going to find out if Abraham trusted him even when what God asked him to do didn't make sense. And that's one reason we encounter difficult circumstances. To authenticate our faith. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, Peter said that we should rejoice when we are grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, even though it is tested by fire, that it may be found to result in the praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter is saying that the testing of our faith is something to celebrate because faith tests are essential for the authentication of our faith. If we pass the faith test, then we have proven faith. That's what Peter's saying, and he's saying that's something to rejoice about. That's something to celebrate. That's something that is good. So we can give thanks in all circumstances, and we can take up the shield of faith in all circumstances because difficult circumstances, because difficult circumstances authenticate our faith. And that's why difficult circumstances are essential to our faith. So as you deal with difficulty, be sure to look at that difficulty with the essential filter, realizing that what you're going through may just be essential to the authentication of your faith. But you may also need to apply a second filter, what I call the potential filter. If we could, thank you. One of the most popular passages in 1 Peter is 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 where Christians are instructed to always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you. And that's a passage that commands evangelistic readiness. But you've got to pay attention to the context here. So if you'll turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3, I want you to see verse 14 through 17 with me together. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. Here's what Peter says. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience. So that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. In 1 Peter chapter 3, from verse 14 through 17, Peter is providing instructions to servants. And he acknowledges that facing difficulty in this context, suffering, but that Facing difficulty is a very real possibility, and he indicates that the, the, the attitude of those who are suffering in the face of such difficulty, that that attitude has the potential to cause their persecutors to ask about the source of their hope. The point is that how we handle our difficult situations has the potential to create an opportunity to share the gospel with someone. Paul understood this. Paul recognized that difficult situations were potential pulpits from which he could talk about God. 
If you go to the end of the book of Acts and you look at, verse tw- uh, at chapters 27 and 28, you'll see Paul has a story that none of us want. Paul has been arrested. He has been unfairly imprisoned for two years. He's had his case heard many times, but no one will do anything about it. So Paul finally appeals as a Roman citizen to be sent before Caesar. And in Acts chapter 27 and 28, he's en route to Caesar, sailing across the Mediterranean Sea. They have to make one stop on an island called Crete, and Paul offers some advice. He says, hey, we, we probably shouldn't sail anymore. We probably should winter here because it's going to be stormy out there, and we don't need to be in the storms. Nobody listens to him. So he's having to sail to Rome against his own advice. And guess what? Paul's a pretty smart guy. He kind of knew what he was talking about. And, and a hurricane-like storm rises up and is destroying their boat. For 14 days, they're adrift. For 14 days, they can't see the sun, moon, and stars because of the storm. For 14 days, they are so seasick, they can't eat. You don't want those circumstances. And then Paul receives a vision from the Lord. It says, hey, the boat's going down, but I'll keep everybody else alive. Everybody on it will live. But the boat's going down. What ends up happening is they run ashore on an an island that they have no idea where they are. God spares everyone. They make it ashore, and they build a campfire. Now, Paul's already suffered from a multi-year imprisonment, from having to sail against his own advice, from a storm that has left them weary from two weeks' worth of embattled weather. And now he's helping build a campfire, and he gets bit by a snake. I hate snakes. See, at this point, if I were Paul, I'd be screaming up to heaven, God, what are you doing to me? Can't you give me a break? Haven't I gone through enough that I get bit by a snake? But that's not Paul. Paul just shakes it off, throws it in the fire. That's because Paul had the potential filter always on. You see, throughout this whole ordeal, Paul didn't respond in a negative way. Paul didn't respond with complaint and accusation against God because Paul recognized that his difficult circumstances were giving him an opportunity to tell others about God. It was that storm that he tried to avoid by suggesting that they winter on the island of Crete that became the pulpit for him to preach to those pagan sailors and give thanks to God in their presence for the food they had to eat. It was that snake bite that he didn't anticipate that became the vehicle through which he met the most powerful man on that island. And he was able to announce the Savior to the inhabitants of that island. 
as Savior that heals the sick. See, Paul consistently used his difficult circumstances as opportunities to preach. We learn in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 13 that it was because of an illness that he preached the gospel to those Christians for the first time. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 12 through 14, we find out that he used his imprisonment in Rome to tell the palace guard about Jesus. Paul knew that he must see closed doors as divine detours. And as a result, Paul was constantly using his circumstances that were difficult, that he didn't want, that he didn't plan, and he used them for the glory of God. See, we can give thanks in all circumstances and we can take up the shield of faith in all circumstances because difficult circumstances create opportunities that we would never otherwise have if we'll just put on the potential filter. One final filter I want to mention this morning. It's what I call the directional filter. And what I mean is that difficult circumstances have the uncanny ability to strip away our focus on all the things that are unimportant and direct our focus onto the things that really matter. For example, when someone you love falls ill, you don't focus on the financial cost for their care. You don't focus on how their care interrupts your schedule. You don't focus on the fact that you're stuck at a hospital while your wife and child are riding flight of passage at Animal Kingdom. No, you focus on making your child well. And I think that's why all throughout his first letter, Peter is constantly reminding his readers of the future. He wants Christians to never lose sight of their ultimate goal. So as he addressed present difficulties, he simultaneously pointed to future glory. So in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, a passage I've repeated time and time again today, he says, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And in the very next verse, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13, he says, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. When his glory is revealed is a reference to the consummation of the kingdom when Christ returns and rewards those who have been faithful to him. Peter is saying don't lose sight of the ultimate thing. Your difficulty now should just make you realize how great life without difficulty is going to be one day. See, we need to remember that we serve a God who always has one more move. Despite all the devil's efforts, God has proven time and time again that he's in charge. It's like playing chess with a master. No matter how well the devil may think he's doing, God always has one more move, doesn't he? When Pharaoh trapped, his, trapped the Israelites by the Red Sea, and was ready to slaughter them. God had one more move. When a giant seemed unslayable, and all the Israelites trembled in fear, a young shepherd showed up, and God had one more move. When the Israelites were in captivity, 
destined for annihilation. A young Jewish girl became queen. God had one more move. And when his son was murdered and his lifeless body was placed in a tomb, God still had one more move. See, we've got to remember that God, God gets the last move. No matter what difficulty we're facing right now, God has one more move. And God's last move is to give his people a new life, absent difficulty. God promises us eternal existence with no more crying, no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering, and no more evil. And the point is that our perspective in the face of difficult circumstances should have a directional filter, a filter that is constantly pointing us to the future, reminding us that the day is coming when difficulties will be no more, that there is a better day and a better place awaiting us. I was reminded of this while sitting in the hospital with Leah a couple of weeks ago. I had spent all this money to take my family on a memorable vacation. And I missed the entire thing. I didn't get to be there when Micah rode Space Mountain for the first time. That also means I didn't have to go to the chiropractor afterwards. We had one family photo. One family photo that we happened to get before I had to take Leah to the ER. And Sarah had all these first Disney trip outfits made for Leah that Leah never got to wear. And when I was sitting in that hospital room bemoaning my problem, all I could think is I'm leaving here with no memories with my family. I couldn't believe that a hospital room was going to be the entirety of my vacation experience. But then Sarah called me. She called me because the Walt Disney Resort was aware of our situation. They had, they had arranged transportation for me to get to the hospital. They had given Sarah some, some funds for dining while I was gone. They had done a few things for us. And we had asked if they could refund my theme park tickets for the week. We just thought I, I didn't even get to go so we asked them if they would refund the tickets. But Sarah called and told me that they had denied that request. But they had countered with another. They gave us a future vacation. A repeat vacation at no expense to us. I don't share that with you to brag. I share that with you to make this point. When Sarah shared that information with me, I cried even harder. Because that act of grace gave me hope that I could have in the future what I missed in the present due to my difficult circumstances. And that's just a microcosm of what God's offering us. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us because what we go through now is nothing compared to what we're going to get one day when we're in heaven with him. 
Things might be awful now. I'm up here complaining about being in the hospital with my daughter while, while I'm on vacation. Some of you are going through way worse things than that. I want you to understand that I recognize that your situation is much more complicated, much more difficult, and much more painful than what I went through. I get that. What I want to communicate today is that no matter what you're going through, no matter what difficulty you're facing, God is giving us a future that will wipe away every memory of hardship, that will trump every memory of pain, that will eliminate every heartache and tear. And so when we face our difficult circumstances, we just need to apply that directional filter, that filter remind, that reminds us of what lays in store for us because of how good our God is. We're going to face difficulties because they're inevitable. And the thing is, we don't get to choose our circumstances, but we will always get to choose our perspective. That may not be the message you needed to hear today, but it was the message I needed to hear today. I needed to be reminded that my perspective matters even when my circumstances are tough. I need to, to be reminded that I serve a God who knows what I'm going through. But more importantly, I serve a God who has been gracious enough to me that he's promised me a day without difficulty. This morning, you might be going through some difficult circumstance and you need encouragement and you need prayers and you need the family of God to just wrap their arms around you. You may be coming out of a difficult circumstance and you need to give God the glory for helping you through it. Maybe that you're here today and you've never surrendered yourself to the will of God. You've never become his child and you've never had your sins dealt with so that you can receive that reward one day. If you need to respond, we offer the invitation. We offer the invitation to put on Christ in baptism, to repent of your sins, and to confess that he is the Son of God. And if you do that, that future is yours. This morning we gather here because we all face difficulty. And maybe we just needed to be reminded of the right perspective. I invite you today, whatever your need may be, to come. I'll take